Praise be to the Lord. We're going back to the book of Proverbs. We come daily to the Lord, and uh, especially the book of Proverbs, often it speaks directly to our situation of forsaking that which is foolish and seeking the understanding that comes from God so that we can walk in uprightness, leave everything that is uh, abomination and perverse before the Lord. And we ought to teach our children what is the difference between that which is honorable and dishonorable? What is the difference between that which is holy and which is profane? The difference between uprightness and riotousness. The world engages in everything it would like to. It doesn't matter if it's shameful or not. Who can show us the difference? God has placed his conscience, our conscience that is. He's given us a conscience. And the light often is very dim, getting dimmer in this world that is plunged into further, further darkness. But God has come. Christ has given us light to wake us up so we can walk in a manner pleasing to him and enjoy the benefits of salvation. Praise God. We're in Proverbs 28. We have gone through just uh, several few of the verses. I'd like someone who has the New King James Version to please read it slowly, loudly, clearly, and then someone else can read the New Living Translation. Let's uh, be thankful for the privilege of having God's Word, being able to look at it with our eyes, being able to hear it with our ears. Hallelujah. We're not shut down or shut in somewhere. We're just desperate. Oh, if I can just have a copy of the Scriptures. Just one page, please. Someone give me one page, even half a page, even one line. I just want my eyes to look upon God's Word. We're not someplace where we're forbidden to hear. Radios are confiscated, radio stations, CD players and all devices and Bibles confiscated. It's happening now. It's happening right now, all over the world. We are blessed to be in the land of the free. Not simply freedom to do things to pursue our own happiness or some national way to seek God. People came to this land seeking religious freedom many, many centuries ago, many years ago, several centuries back. And we are seeing how Satan can come and oppress and reduce people to nothing virtually, take everything away. But for the faithful, there's an uprising, there's a rising back up, hallelujah. God comes and defends his own and he gives us the ability to worship him again. Right now, most of us don't have that trial of not being able to see God's word, hold it in our hands, read it, hear it, talk about it, pray out loud. So many different avenues the enemy oppresses. But it's not so for us. May the Lord help us to have understanding and treasure everything God gives. As I mentioned, life training school yesterday, 30, 60, 100, depends upon the individual. 
You want to be those who are very keen, wise, humble. The mark of wisdom is humility. And a person that says, ah, I'll do this this way. I don't have to listen to that. I don't have to listen to him. I don't have to listen to her. That independence becomes deadly to the soul. But it, the person may coast like in a vehicle. Just let it coast. I'm okay. And meanwhile, the vehicle could be could be headed toward a cliff. We've got to apply the brake to pride. Apply the brakes to self-righteousness. Apply the brakes to profanity. It's not just with the words in the mouth, but a lifestyle of playing hide-and-seek with God. Or with the shepherds God has given. Or with the people of God. God says, be bold, as we read yesterday in the beginning of this proverb. Be bold. Be humble. Give praise to God anytime, anywhere. Be ready to pray. Be ready to preach, to share the good news, in season, not of season. May I encourage everyone with the Father's heart, with the discipline of God, the instruction of God. Remember, as Pastor was shared, we don't go by physical chronology. We don't go by what people think, what people may think is wise, but the timeless wisdom of God to help us to gauge what are the words from God and what are the things we need to do to avail ourselves of everything God has provided that comes when we understand the words are eternal, the word of God. I'd like to encourage everyone that people getting ready for work and people who are in pain, people who could not sleep perhaps. And a lot of factors can be there as to why people won't pray in the morning. But perhaps sometimes it's waiting for others to do the job. Let others pray. Let me listen. But we rob ourselves truly of the privilege to open our mouth and give glory to God. Remember, it says, in the midst of the congregation, in the midst of my brothers and sisters, to honor the Lord. So I want to speak to you if you're a person that waits for others to pray, for others to do the job. You have to consider truthfully before God, is it because of severe pain I'm not praying? Is it because of shyness? Is it because I'm not ready to pray? What are the factors? You have to praise God. Let me just encourage you. You have to be ready to praise God no matter what. And it's a time when we come to pray. It's when we are gasping for breath. Oftentimes that we really understand what it means to have breath. And we understand the reason we have breath is to praise God. And any opportunity we get, we ought to open our mouth and praise God. I believe it's, it hurts God. It's grieving to God. If there's not a legitimate reason why we can't praise Him in the morning or pray in public, 
even among our family, small gathering. Everyone should be able to praise God, unless there's a legitimate reason why we can't publicly praise God. But take it in the right spirit and see if God wants to change something about that. Glory be to the living God. Praise God. Proverbs 28. Someone please read it in the New King James Version. And then someone else can read it in the New Living Translation. Praise the Lord, Pastor. Uh, this is Proverbs 28, New King James Version. Praise God. New King James, um, Jody, if you have it. Yes, yes, sir. Um, do you want me to read the whole Proverbs? Um, if, if you can, Jody. Okay, yes, sir. Okay, praise God. Thank you. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Because of the transgression of the land, many are in many are its princes, but by a man of understanding and knowledge, right will be prolonged. A poor man who oppresses the poor is like a driving rain which leaves no food. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but such, but such as keep the law contend with them. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand awe. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than the one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Whoever keeps the law is a discerning son, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. One who increases his possessions by usury and extortion gathers it for, for him who will pity the poor. One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Whoever causes the upright to go astray in an evil way, he himself will fall into his own pit, but the blameless will inherit good. The rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the poor who has understanding searches him out. When the righteous rejoice, there is great glory, but when the wicked arise, men hide themselves. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Like a roaring lion and a charging bear is a wicked ruler over poor people. A ruler who lacks understanding is a great oppressor, but he who hates covetedness will prolong his days. A man burdened with bloodshed will flee into a pit. Let no one help him. Whoever walks blamelessly will be saved, but he who is perverse in his ways will suddenly fall. He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, 
but he who allows frivolity will have poverty enough. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. To show partiality is not good, but because to show partiality is not good, because for a piece of bread a man will transgress. A man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. He who rebukes a man will find more favor afterward than he who flatters with the tongue. Whoever robs his father or his mother and says it is no transgression, the same is companion to a destroyer. He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will be will prosper. Will be prospered, excuse me. He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. He who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. When the wicked arise, men hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous increase. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Someone else in the New Living Translation, please. Proverbs 28, New Living Translation. The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. When there is moral rot within a nation, its government topples easily. But wise and knowledgeable leaders bring stability. A poor person who oppresses the poor is like a pounding rain that destroys the crop. To reject the law is to praise the wicked. To obey the law is to fight them. Evil people don't understand justice, but those who follow the Lord understand completely. Better to be poor and honest than to be dishonest and rich. Young people who obey the law are wise. Those with wild friends bring shame to their parents. Income from charging high interest rates will end up in the pocket of someone who is kind to the poor. God detests the prayers of a, of a person who ignores the law. Those who lead good people along an evil path will fall into their own trap, but the honest will inherit good things. Rich people may think they are wise, but a poor person with discernment can see right through them. When the godly succeed, everyone is glad. When the wicked take charge, people go into hiding. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Blessed are those who fear to do wrong. But the stubborn are headed for serious trouble. A wicked ruler is as dangerous to the poor as a roaring lion or, or an attacking bear. A ruler with no understanding will oppress his people, but one who hates corruption will have a long life. A murderer 
mother's torment, tormented conscience will drive him into the grave. Don't protect him. The blameless will be rescued from harm, but the crooked will be suddenly destroyed. A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies ends up in poverty. A trustworthy person will get rich reward, but a person who wants quick riches will get into trouble. Showing partiality, showing partiality is never good, yet some will do wrong for a mere piece of bread. Greedy people try to get rich quick, but don't realize they're headed for poverty. In the end, people appreciate honest criticism far more than flattery. Anyone who steals from his father and mother and says what's wrong with that is no better than a murderer. Greed causes fighting. Trusting the Lord leads to prosperity. Those who trust their own insight are foolish, but anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. Whoever gives to the poor, they lack nothing. But those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. When the wicked take charge, people go into hiding. When the wicked make disaster, meet disaster, the godly flourish. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Many direct statements here to keep us in the right path. As most of the world is after money and prestige, God shows us that the way of righteousness guarantees safety from Him. Ultimately, He will protect us. He will provide. He will prosper us. Notice verse 26. It goes directly against what people hear, what people teach their children, what we hear in so-called movies, media that are supposed to give a good lesson, a moral lesson. The education system, books, celebrities, down to the person on the street. They all say, believe in yourself. Trust your gut instinct. Follow your dreams. As long as you follow your heart, that's all that matters. Can you picture people at all levels of society talking to one another? Supposedly encouraging one another to keep pressing on? But it's about believing in myself. You've got to believe in yourself. And they say you have to trust your heart. And the Bible speaks of being bold, not being weak-minded, not being afraid. But at the same time, verse 26 says, the person that trusts in his own heart is a fool. God never calls us to trust in our own hearts. He calls us to trust in Him, not lean on our own hearts, on our own understanding. He that trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely, he shall be delivered. God has given us the clear path to trust him and only him. We walk confidently and boldly because we know when God leads an individual, when God truly leads a family, when God leads a nation, they're bound to prosper. Because God will look after them. The eye of the Lord is upon those who 
fear in the eyes of the Lord. And God will guide that person, that family, that nation with his eye. The Bible says. But what we hear in the world sometimes gets mixed up with the theology of the people in the church. We have to make a clear distinction in our own lives and our own hearts. I refuse to trust in my heart because God said, if I trust in my own heart, I'm full. And I refuse to teach my children or allow them, even in Christian settings, Christian schools, that tell them to believe in themselves. No. We will always say, believe in Jesus and trust Him, His Spirit to help you. Don't rely upon your natural abilities. Don't train your children to rely upon human help, but to rely upon divine help. Well, first we must train ourselves. And we can see whether we really trust God by the prayers we pray and the uh, amount of prayers we pray during the day. It really reflects whether we really trust God or not. Because a person who really depends on God will be praying for everything. Not out of obligation, but out of practice that proves the benefit of consulting with the Lord. And really it's an insurance, it's a protection against vain thoughts, pride, and getting diverted to trusting in anything other than the living God. Continually asking God, Lord, what do you want me to do, Father? It comes down even to the point of, Lord, do you want me to go to the store today? Do you want me to buy this? Lord, help me to make the right purchase. How many believers can truly say that? Isn't it easy, far too easy and commonplace to say a general prayer before we set out into the world each day? God, be with me, guide me, help me, bless me, protect me, which is good, but praying without ceasing as I approach the store, as I'm about to speak to someone. I have the privilege of being able to ask God's help continually and thus learn to rely upon Him. Then I can truly be bold as a lion because I know my steps are being ordered by the Lord. So one of the verses I would encourage you to underline or highlight is Proverbs 28, verse 26. He that trusted in his own heart is a fool. Goes contrary to what the world teaches. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Who is the person that walks wisely? The one that knows the judgments, the statutes, the laws, the promises, and the prohibitions, the warnings that God gives to prevent us from falling into any snare, any ditch. That person walks wisely. So we can conclude that is the person that trusted in God, trusts in God's wisdom. Securely trusts in the heart of God. That person will prosper. That person is wise. Going back to the beginning, we've seen the first five or six verses. 
and we spoke about justice yesterday, what it really means and how a person can seem to be just and fair and good and charitable in certain areas, but totally contrary to that in other areas. And God points out the hypocrisy. There ought to be a flow of righteousness that permeates every decision and every stance we take. God's justice should mark our positions. Verse 6, Better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. How many people would say, I don't care. I need money. I'd rather be comfortable than poor. But the context here is that integrity is of more value in a poor person, materially poor, maybe despised by society, scorned. Nobody wants to come near that person because they know he doesn't have anything in his pockets. How many girls are trained by their own families? To go after a guy who has money because then you can live in a comfortable way. Dying spiritually and getting worse because the values are totally wrong. But a godly mother, a godly aunt, a godly grandmother will tell the young lady, pray for a wise man. Pray for a man who is a godly man. And similarly, Wise fathers and grandfathers and uncles and older brothers will encourage the young man. Seek after a woman who fears the Lord truly. A woman who has the law of kindness on her tongue. A woman who is industrious, not lazy. That woman, that potential wife, will bring you honor and not shame all the days of your life. How God's word is like a laser beam that cuts through all of that which seems to be glamorous and glitter. People's eyes are upon the material goods. We live in such a world. God says that covetous spirit, that greediness, will land a person in hell. We've got to be divorced from that. We enjoy everything God gives and we ought to work hard and God prospers. God is the one who gives the best gifts. Hallelujah. We ought to enjoy what God gives, what God gives, what God gives. Never feel guilty when God has given us the best. But always have a humble heart to acknowledge it came from Him. And never trust in the riches. Never boast about it. But see how I can use it to glorify God and help others. Because after all, talents, abilities, gifts, whether they be natural abilities, material wealth, or spiritual abilities, spiritual gifts from God, they're all meant to edify other people. It's not to hoard or keep to ourselves, see how we can build up ourselves and our reputation, our resume. But God says, even the spiritual gifts, they're given to build up the body of Christ. 
So it's good to have that kind of integrity. It's proper and fitting in the eyes of the Lord to have this honesty and truthfulness that I'm walking in a manner pleasing to God in my heart of hearts. And you know when the covetous spirit from Satan is dispatched, we'll be on guard knowing that that's not from God. I refuse it. I refuse to trust in what I have in the back. I refuse to trust in my own strength. I readily acknowledge every good and perfect gift comes from God. And I will praise Him all the days of my life and I will teach my people, my children. The breath that I have is from God and the breath that you have is from God. We ought to use it to glorify Him. Every ounce of energy, everything that's come into our possession, that is the test of whether we are true disciples of God or not. As I said before, give a person who's very, very warm and friendly, mannerful, very polite, very helpful, very cheerful. Give that person a little bit of power and you'll see whether that cheerfulness, warmness, helpfulness is sincere or not. You give the person a little bit of authority and power, the majority of the time, you see the true colors come out. There'll be bitter sarcasm. There will be oppression. Similarly, give the person a little bit of money and wealth. You see the true colors come out. Abraham was a person who was very wealthy, but he was not greedy. Hallelujah. Not everyone is called to have material wealth like Abraham, obviously. But whatever God has given us, whatever is good in His sight, whatever is honestly gained, humbly at the feet of the Lord and by our industry, that is our diligence. We hold it with loose hands. Not slack hands, but hands that are not covetous and hoarding. Hands that are ready to give. Because Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. It truly is. That's the nature of our Father. He doesn't hoard up everything in the universe and say, these are my precious things, you can't have it, you can see it, but don't touch it. God says, it is your Father's delight, good pleasure to give you the kingdom. To the point where He says, His own beloved Son, eternity past, no beginning. Such a relationship that we can hardly fathom it with our human minds. He gave up His Son because He loved us so much. He loves the Son so much, the Father does. And the Son loves the Father so much. The Spirit of God, the Trinity has such love, eternity to eternity. But He opens that up to us. And He gives to the point where he gave his only begotten, most beloved, his son Jesus Christ. The way he gave him up is not loaned him to us for three and a half years. Okay, gather up all the teachings. Do you have the recording? When Jesus spoke at Caesarea Philippi, when he spoke by the shores of Galilee, do you have 
that recorded when he spoke in Nain, when he spoke in the Judean wilderness, when he spoke in the temple. Do you have all the recordings cataloged? Three and a half years of teaching from the Son of the Living God. That's it. Now, he's got to come back to me. The Father never said that. He gave himself, demonstrated his love by giving his blood, his life. That's what you call true discipleship. Because Jesus followed the Father's every instruction. And he said to Philip, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm the exact representation of my Father's heart. Now, if we are to be in that mold, then we ought to say, Lord, every ounce of energy, every penny I have, everything I have, whatever I've amassed, every electronic device, everything, how am I using it for the glory of my Father? How am I training those under my care to do the same? How am I looking to make it a blessing to others? God will give us all that we need, all the know-how, when it comes to using what He's loaned us, what He's given us, for the advancement of His kingdom, for His glory, and for the good of our people, even strangers. It may be taking the device, playing the sermons, playing the box app, playing the meetings deliberately so others can hear. That's using our energy, our life's breath, our vehicles, our phones, all working together in synergy for what? Getting the word out. So someone can hear and be blessed. The enemy is the one that will come and say, tone it down. Don't, don't play that. That person is not going to listen. That one doesn't care. That one may mock. That one may curse. The enemy will come with certain words to intimidate us. That's when we have to say, okay, he's after this. He's giving me those thoughts. I'm going to play it all the more. Hallelujah. There's a time and place to do that. But we need to recognize that we are called not to be greedy and self-centered, but to give ourselves away for the sake of the gospel. Because he that loseth his life, Jesus said, will find it in the end. But whoever seeks to gain and keep his life will end up losing it. What wisdom from God. Who can, who can give us such wisdom but God? How beautiful. No wonder the words are so precious coming from Jesus' mouth. That Peter said, Lord, where are we going to go? He's not saying we don't have an option. He's saying, it would be foolish to desert life, which is standing right in front of us. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. Lord, we're not going after death. We're going to stick with you. So this chapter speaks against covetousness, self-centeredness, greediness. The Lord cautions us, you know, time and time again, of the evil spirits. There are evil spirits that will come time to time to knock on the believer's door through thoughts, through dangling something in front of our eyes, feelings and sensations. And his hope is that we end up thinking it's me. I guess it's part of me. That's who I am. 
Let me go after it. I'm sure I can ask forgiveness, and I know I, I can handle this. But as we grow in maturity, we'll know that thought is from the pit of hell. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Get up. I refuse to be a covetous, riotous glutton. My bridegroom is coming. I'm going to be fasting and praying. It's the Spirit from heaven that will cause us to be self-disciplined and not self-indulgent. Again, we enjoy. There's a time to feast. Hallelujah. There's a time to mourn and a time to laugh. To everything under the sun, there's a season. When God says rejoice, that's not the time to weep. God says weep, that's not the time to rejoice. Hallelujah. The perfect Son of God, the perfect Heavenly Father, the perfect Holy Spirit, God Almighty will lead us perfectly if we receive every word He speaks. And we yield ourselves to His wisdom, refusing to trust in our own judgment. Saying, Lord, I want the mind of Christ to be active. Praise be to God. As we go through this quickly, just a few more minutes, some of the verses that I have highlighted here, perhaps you have also highlighted, maybe you have other verses that God has spoken to you. But among the verses I've highlighted here, we'll go over those quickly. Verse 10, whoever causes the upright to go astray in an evil way, he himself will fall into his own pit, but the blameless will inherit good. Are we able to influence other believers and even family after the flesh in a way that's not good when we should be doing otherwise? Are we going forward and saying things and enticing them, showing them something that we know deep down inside is not God's will, but going with the flow of the things there, jumping on the bandwagon and say, yeah, that, that is nice. When we know it's not. Someone's unmuted, please mute the line. And that way we may be digging a pit. Not caring for my loved ones, but rather mingling. Wanting to be popular among them. Look at me. Look what I've got. I'm somebody and I'd like to win your favor. We should despise the honor that comes from people in relationship to the honor that comes from God. Whoever hates his father and mother or does not hate his father and mother cannot be my disciple, the Lord said. That to love God and believe Him that His way is righteous and we want to serve Him and love people after loving Him. Because only then can we really love other people. Whoever causes the upright to go astray in an evil way, he himself will fall into his own pit. But the blameless will inherit good. So one definition of the blameless is a person who causes other people to go in the righteous way. Encourage them to do what's right in the sight of God. That's Proverbs 28.10. I have also highlighted my 
at least electronic Bible here. Verse 13, very, very key verse. Everyone ought to have it highlighted. Why? Because it militates against the diabolical, twisted version of salvation and righteousness that is passed off in many, many Christian circles. Many, many people say, if you have a good heart and you've confessed your sins to God, God hears you. He loves you. You're okay. Give a good pat. There they're worshiping, raising their hands, still having the stain of sin. Why? Because there's no repentance. This verse is a verse to have handy to fight against the devil's lies. Notice verse 13, Proverbs 28, 13. Would somebody read that, please? Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Praise God. Praise God. The definition is right there. What does it mean to cover one's sins? It means not to tell God that I'm sorry for doing it, plus not leaving it. Many people tell God, I'm sorry for doing this or that, but they really don't have the intention of leaving it. In their mind, they have set themselves up for a great fall, self-delusion, by thinking, I can always go back and repent. There's no fear of God. May God help us. May God help us. He who covers his sins will not prosper. That means we have to uncover it, bring it out in the open before God. Say, Lord, this thing that seemed to be hidden, God who looks on the heart, you see everything. Nothing should be in my heart, Lord. No attitude that's foreign to your heart, your commandments. I can't afford it. Losing my soul over being mean because I feel like it. Because he was mean to me, she was mean to me. They disrespected me. So I'll hold on to this for a while. Right at that moment, God's word says, you're covering it up. Call it up and leave it. Be the opposite. As we're looking at Joseph's life in the life training school, we didn't get to go over some of the things in the slides, but do you know there are two major occasions, pivotal times, when he forgave publicly. The first time was when he wept. He couldn't hold it any longer. This mighty man of God, mighty man in man's eyes, a prince in Egypt, feared no one, breaking down before his evil older brothers who wanted him dead. Why? The love of Christ constrained him to show his love by forgiving them on the spot when they were afraid, when they were startled, they would have said, my God, we're done. This ruler to whom we've come to survive, seek survival for our father also, for all our household, our mother, our little ones, it's Joseph. 
the one we wanted to destroy he's going to murder us now oh our sins have caught up to us right here in Egypt far away didn't God say be sure your sin will find you out we're done for Judah, Simeon, Reuben Levi, Issachar, Zebulun all of us, Naphtali we're done, we're done they saw something opposite come from Joseph he said don't be afraid I will provide for you what love is this and then at the end of Genesis after Jacob died they were afraid again maybe he'll change his mind dad has died now this younger brother he's going to do his sin now probably didn't want to hurt the old man's feelings give him more sorrow by being mean to us but we're going to get what we deserve now and they made up something and said you know dad made this statement before he passed away that this and this should happen Joseph said don't worry about anything what you meant for evil God is turned for good I'm here for you I will love you even though you hated me without a cause he was a type of Christ God calls us to forgive everyone you know sometimes the hardest thing for people to do is to forgive the people they live with you can forgive other people because it's distant love but the one that I have to see the face and cross paths with on the way to the hallway to the kitchen that disrespected me I'm not going to say anything turn the cold shoulder makes the noise with the pots and pans drop it let them know a piece of your mind that is the spirit of Lucifer the devil but then praise and worship read the Bible get on the calls that's the hypocrite in God's sight and if God points that out and calls that out we ought to mourn and say Lord I've been treacherous I've dealt treacherously with you and then forsake it and say I'm going to do it different that's how you prosper when I get disrespected I get slighted to say Lord I've got to do it your way and as you practice obedience to God's command to love when people hate us or do wrong it becomes easier because God will give more grace to the humble he who covers his sins will not prosper no matter what happens a person can buy this have an increase materially but God said they're not prospering in my sight they're actually dying with all that money because they're ignoring the true riches that come from obeying my word the treasure of all treasure he who covers his sins will not prosper God's definition of prosperity is totally counter to the world's definition of prosperity make sure you know the difference make sure you adhere clean to God's definition of prosperity live by that the one who prospers is the one who confesses and utterly abandons 
his sins, her sins. That person will have mercy from God. Hallelujah. Verse 14, I have highlighted a different color. Oh, it's very important. Very important to live by and to preach in our wicked generation. Especially among many, many so-called Christians. We have the duty to be our brother's keeper. When God leaves, to say it. To save their souls. Happy is the man who is always reverent. But he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Catastrophe, devastation, destruction. It seems fashionable to say, I'm a Christian. Just excuse this behavior because God's not done with me. I'm not perfect. That's from the devil. We ought to say, I'm sorry in the presence of my God for misrepresenting him. And I don't have to. It's my choice. Now, I'm going to double up my efforts to watch that very thing that I gave into, that I don't do it again. Instead of hardening the heart, which is fashionable today, because everybody says, don't judge me. You don't judge me. I don't judge you. Happy family. God understands why you want to smoke and lust and curse. God understands. But I love you, brother, sister. And I know you love me when I do my weird things. We're a happy family. That family will hold hands and go to hell together. But the one who brings God's truth to the situation and says, no, 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 no. I love you too much to not tell you. This is what God says in his word. Have you read this? I just want to share this with you. I'm not judging you. I just want to share the word to help you because let me tell you my story. I used to think it was okay to do this and that. Yeah, I had people around me. We can tell them in a humble way, but not holding back. You can't go to heaven with sin on your hands. Because Jesus came to save us from our sins. God says, forsake the foolish and live. Happy is that person, that man, the woman, the child, who's always having what? The fear of God. The reverence. Oh, no, no, no. My money, my energy, my hobbies, my vacations, my job, my career, my aspirations. Let there not be any selfish motive. Oh, God, help me. I want to crucify the flesh with all of his desires and affections. Everything's got to come under the domination of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I fear the Lord. I love the Lord. I will obey him. The one who says, Ah, I feel justified. After all, he's a Christian, she's a Christian. Look how long they know the Lord. And that's my pastor, and that's evangelist so-and-so, and prophet is so-and-so. She's dynamic. Even she gives a dirty look to her husband when they go in the vehicle. Even she says a cuss word when she's cut off in traffic. It's a prophetess. It's a big evangelist. Look at that man. This is what happens. People begin to feel comfortable with the company they keep. So-called Christians who 
who despise God's word very clearly, who believe it's okay to pick and choose when I'll obey and what I'll obey. It's all right. You know why? Because I trust my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, cross my heart, hope to die. So help me, God. Here's my right hand. I'll swear on the Bible. I'm Orthodox Christian. God's more concerned about the heart than any kind of verbal confession to orthodoxy. Going further, as we come to close, another beautiful, wonderful verse here. Verse 20a, the first part, a faithful man, a faithful man will abound with blessings. It's impossible It's impossible for a person, if the Lord returns in the heavenly, the divine principle, if I honor the Lord with my first fruits, my substance, God will multiply me even more. If I honor the Lord with the energy he's given me, with the breath he's given me, with the talents, he will multiply it. A person who's faithful to the Lord and say, Lord, you've loaned me everything I've got. It's on loan. It's yours, really, but you've given to me to see what I'll do with it. And the person who is a faithful steward, pleasing God, will multiply with blessings. It's a divine principle. It can never fail. But the one who goes after the greediness, after the material riches, will be punished by God. We have to go for the true riches, which is the word of God, keeping the word of God. We heard yesterday. The Lord's after relationship. The relationship is predicated on keeping the word of God on the part of humanity. We're his relatives. Wouldn't you like to have that claim to fame? When somebody says, you know, that's my cousin. Who? That famous rapper is my cousin. All of a sudden... This individual becomes a VIP in the circle. Oh, that that person, that senator, he's my uncle. And the guy that owns a string of the cleaner stores, he's got eight of them. That's my brother. All of a sudden, the person is uh, put on a pedestal by the people around. Why? Because they have access to wealth and perhaps fame. Imagine if somebody saying, my, uh, my father, my elder brother, is God. My father is God. My Savior, my elder brother, is Jesus Christ. The one who's my closest companion, my closest friend. The person I know and knows me so well. The closest friend I've got, he's the one who created the universe. We have such a privilege to be called relations, relatives of God himself. We're God's relatives. Famous already. Hallelujah. Who? Not the ones who just say it. but the ones 
Jesus said, my mother, my brother, my sisters are the ones who hear my word and keep it. Verse 23, another one I have highlighted in a different way. He who rebukes a man will find more favor afterward than he who flatters with the tongue. It's fashionable to flatter today. Even when something's wrong, there's a time to speak, time not to speak. But it's more fashionable to flatter. And we see that again in Christian circles. We, have to, we ought to be nice and kind and esteem others better than ourselves. Honor one another. That's true. But if we see that the devil has come in and something's brewing that reeks of deceitfulness and sinfulness and going back to the old country, can we keep quiet? Or should we not pray? and speak when God leads us to speak. Warn that person. You're sliding. You're slipping. Before you know it, you're going to be caught in that dizziness because you enter Satan's zone. You're going to have a hard fall and wonder and cry your eyes out. I should have listened. But if the person is not given that rebuke, that person doesn't have a chance. It's up to us to speak out in love when God leads, but speak when he says to speak. And it may come in the form of a rebuke, which may cause the friendship or the relationship to suffer temporarily. Because the person who speaks the truth will be doing good for the soul, and that person will be thankful when the person avails himself or herself of the wise counsel from God to straighten them up rather than flatter them for the sake of friendship and gain. Very last verse that I've highlighted here. Every word of God is important, but we already mentioned this. We end with this. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Believe in you. Believe in yourself. I believe in me. It's not from the Lord. Be careful. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Invite Him in. Ask His counsel. Depend upon Him. Be humble. Give Him the glory and the credit. And He will surely direct our paths. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. The Bible says, the one that walks with wise people will be wise. Who are the wise people of the world? If you go to Croatia today, if you go to Yugoslavia, if you go to Nigeria, if you go to Budapest, if you go to any country on the face of the earth, you know how you can spot the really wise people? Of course. The people who fear the Lord and keep His commandments. And the people who hang out with them. They're wise too. The world has many sayings and we know 
One of them is, show me who your friends are. Who do you like to hang out with? Who, you, who do you confide in? And I'll show you what kind of person you are. Because birds of a feather flock together. But when the values are different, they can't be together. Because in the spiritual kingdom, opposites do not attract. Our goal is to be light and salt in such a manner that we will draw people to holiness, fearing God, loving Him, obeying Him, treasuring His Word, doing all the duties and the honorable privileges of the spiritual disciplines of prayer and fasting and fellowship and worshiping and studying God's Word while working hard, making the most of everything God has given so that people look at us and say, that person is a winner. Spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. I want to join that crowd. There's a winsomeness too. A child of God who's walking in the light as God is in the light. Shall we pray? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. Thank you for giving us, Lord, your truth again and again and again, Lord. We need the truth to stay in this straight and narrow path, Lord. We're glad, Lord Jesus. You're so generous and kind. You said, Lord, in the book of James, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who will give generously, will not find fault or rebuke that person. Lord, we want the wisdom from Proverbs, from the whole Bible. We want to do things right, O oh Lord. We spend enough of our lifetime, as the Apostle says by the Holy Spirit, doing the wrong things and reaping the consequences of pain and loss, frustration, dissipation, evil. We want the prosperity that comes from fearing you, loving you, serving you, Lord, knowing you more and more. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Oh, Lord, thank you. I pray, Lord, that the word will stick. Oh, God, we don't want to come morning after morning or evening after evening and not let another thing be added to us to make us stronger and more obedient to God. Jesus, may the purpose for which you call us together be accomplished. Every heart for the glory of God, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. In Jesus' name, we thank you. We adore you. We thank you. Amen. Glory be to God.